church, as you take your seats this morning, just, let's just remain in this attitude of worship so that we will be prepared for the Lord to reveal truth to us today. And that we would not just hear His Word, but that it would impact us to the very core of who we are. That it would change us and put us on a pathway that leads to His abiding presence in us. That presence within us to perform the work that He has laid before us. Church, as we go into the second message today under the series of Why Truth, let us just commit this time to the Lord this morning in prayer and let us be aware that the enemy would seek to distract us from hearing the absolute truths that God has for each and every one of us. Everything in this world is, is orchestrated to distract the believer and the non-believer to God's absolute truths as He set out in, in His Word. So let's pray for that today. Father God, we come to you today in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we commit this time to you. We commit this word to you. It's all about you, Lord. We pray today that you would reveal truth to us in a way that we have never understood before. Lord, your truth never changes, but our views and the pressures of life and, and the enemy has clouded what absolute truth is. So today we pray that you would remove the scales of our eyes, remove the doubt in our hearts, and stop the influence that the enemy has over our minds. Lord, as we commit this service to you and for your glory, we also pray that you would come against the rulers, you would come against the authorities, you come against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. They will have no place of influence in this service and in the minds of your people here today. And we, we, we cover this and we seal this all by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And everyone said? Amen. 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 So church, today we will be continuing with our series on white truth. If you were here last week, you would recall that we touched on the importance of not being Christians that only rely on the church and, and all of its activities and programs to keep us afloat. But instead that we would be believers that have the Holy Spirit of God in us, God's seed abiding in us, so that we can be Christ followers that cry out, Abba, Father, on our own. That we would be the church and the, and the body that, that Jesus has called us to be. That we would truly discover God for ourselves. In this series, the Lord has been challenging me and leading me to speak on some of the basic truths of the Bible that, that deeply impact our lives as Christians. And I'm trusting that some of these truths will even be heard by and impact those that don't really believe in the God that we serve, the God of the Bible. In my preparation for the message this week and asking the Lord specifically what He wanted me to share this morning, I came across a message that was shared by Auntie Charmaine on, on Facebook, a video that's been going viral. I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. But if you haven't seen it or heard about it, it was about a father that was sharing on how he had attended an awards evening at his daughter's school, a school that is just outside of Richards Bay here in South Africa. And to his disgrace, and I'm, I'm sure to, to everyone that saw it, he showed this artwork that was done by a specific student that had all these images and statues of satanic symbolism and mockery towards our Lord Jesus. The statues were made of, listen to this church, the statues were molded out of paper and pages torn out of the Holy Bible. And as he zoomed in, you closer, you would see these parts of Scripture torn out to mold these demonic images of satanic worship. Other drawings or paintings show Jesus being depicted as a clown. 
just a total mockery of who God is. And all of this in a school that apparently used to have as part of their slogan or, or motto, to God be all the glory. But now a school somehow with evil, evil is infiltrated and that a school that awarded this child with the most accolades for what he has done. And I know that there's a big outcry for this and people are, are standing up to this, which, which is good. Right? It is necessary. There's, a, there's an investigation going on. But it made me sick to my stomach to think of, of how this is now, our children are being exposed to this at our schools, at their schools. And what the systems of this world are now accepting and promoting. And it made me think, how did we get to this point? How has our world become so comfortable with evil? I know that the Bible speaks of the times that we live in, but, but how did we get here? And in my study on this topic this week, church, I took a look at how society has degenerated over the past century or so because of a degeneration of our moral worldview or our moral beliefs. Just to give you a very short history lesson, there were a couple of German philosophers that started this New Age thinking only about 60 to 70 years ago, right? And this philosophy and thinking filtered its way through to Europe, into Great Britain, then into the Western society in America, that then became, that filtered through into the educational system and has now become a part of the way that society thinks and behaves. And what has happened, there's just been a simple degeneration of the absolute truth. You see, what used to be the norm of having a biblical worldview to guide you through life and, and make decisions has now become a worldview ruled by relativism. And so what used to be good for us and for the general society has now become relative to the person who is making the decisions. So today I want to make an emphasis on absolute truth. And why it is so important for us to have a biblical worldview instead of just any worldview that you are free to choose that ultimately leads to destruction. You see, a worldview really matters and, and everyone has one. It's not a question as to whether or not you have a worldview. The question is, do you have a biblical one? Our worldview, the way that we see life, is formed by a lot of things. It's formed by the culture that we're raised in. It's formed sometimes by our upbringing, the books we read, our education, and the media and the people that we expose ourselves to. So it's not really a question of do I have a worldview or not, but the question is why is it so important to have the correct worldview? It's because a worldview will affect you in everything that you do, from your personal morality to the way that you spend your money, to the way that you spend your time, just the way that you live your life and, and contribute back to society. But what is a, a biblical worldview? What is a Christian worldview? Church, what it means simply, in simple form, is that regardless of what culture says, regardless of what is politically correct, regardless of what you feel is, is right or wrong, we base our beliefs on what the Bible teaches. That's what it is to have a biblical or a Christian worldview. And this will affect the way that we see everything. It was C.S. Lewis that said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. You see, that was his Christian worldview. And church, why is this so important? Why is it so important for us to have a biblical worldview? Because church, we're living in the last days. 
And I'm not just saying that because, you know, that's what pastors say to bring fear into, into your hearts. The truth is we're living in, in the last days. Jesus Christ is coming back again. And if there was ever a time for us to get serious and to discover God for ourselves, to know the Bible and to have a closer walk with Christ, the time is now. Listen to what 2 Timothy chapter 3 says about the end times. From verse 1, it says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Church, is this not an accurate assessment of the times in which we are living in? You know, our world has never been more spiritual, yet more immoral. You know, people throw the word spirituality around a lot. And people will say, I'm into spirituality or I'm into a higher purpose. I'm a spiritual person. Or we say, you know what, that person is very spiritual. What does that mean anyway? You know, a study done a few years back in Western society found that people are more interested these days in faith and spirituality than they are in Christianity. Another study showed that a lot of people these days actually want to create their own faith experience by creating a uniquely personal brand of faith that makes sense to them. So what they've done is they put a whole series of beliefs and religious practices together in a series of relationships and connections all of which makes sense to them, so that they can feel good about themselves. <clears throat> so they'll take this part of Christianity, they'll take this part of Hinduism, this part of the Islamic faith, this part of Buddhism, and, and put it all together to have a tailor-made faith, or a tailor-made God. Right? And church, this type of thinking is what today's worldview is actually promoting. I mean, we live in the age of the, the iPad and the, the iPhone, and now people are creating the our faith or the, the our God. That's what suits me best, you know. Just think of this, how this new world has, has given us this, the control in, in various areas of our lives. Just take your electronic devices. You know, you can customize your own apps. You can customize your own apps. You can, you can even customize your own home screen. You can keep the things you like and you can get rid of the things that, that you don't agree with. So if you believe in a God of love and forgiveness and mercy, you can keep that. But if you're offended by a God that teaches on holiness and righteousness and the judgment to come for sinning, and that if you keep on sinning that you're a child of the devil, well, you can delete that part. You don't have to keep that. And you know, the Bible speaks about this exact thing in 2 Timothy chapter 4. From verses 3 to 4 where it says, For the time will come. When people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. It works out perfectly for that person when they create their own God, right? My question is, will that God save them on the day of judgment? 
The Bible says the absolute truth in God's Word says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, sooner or later, we will all have to face God regardless of our conditions. We will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. You see, church, the result of what's happening today is something that we call moral relativism. And moral relativism is a belief that there are no absolutes. In other words, there's no right and there's no wrong. Moral relativism teaches people that we're all products of the evolutionary process, the Big Bang, and that we're all just basically a bunch of mistakes. That we're not made by a creator God, there's no plan or purpose for your life, there's no judgment, there's no good, and there's no evil. Moral relativism would teach you that we make our own luck, we create our own fate, and, and we're all basically good on the inside. And if we happen to go bad, it's just because we're simply products of our environment. And the amusing thing about people that accept moral relativism is that they are very tolerant of everyone except those who live by absolute truths. And then they become very intolerant. I mean, if you dare to stand up and say, I believe that the Word of God is the absolute truth and the only moral code that we should live by, instead of them saying, well, that's your truth, right? And your opinion, and I have my truth and my opinion, they will say, you, you hypocritical, narrow-minded bigot. How dare you say that? You Bible-bashing, uneducated fool. And on it goes, because there's no tolerance for a view like that in today's culture. I mean, you have to be, you have to be tolerant about what, what everyone says and what they feel. And you have to be politically correct in the thing that you say. And church, the concerning thing about this is that moral relativism is what's been taught to our children in the educational system these days. I think more so when they go to university, but it seems to be filtering in even earlier. You know, a study done quite a few years back on the belief or the religious beliefs of students leaving high school and university showed that the majority of these students believe that truth is relative. Because this is what they've been taught on a daily basis again and again and again. This is what they've been brainwashed with. The enemy is hard at work within, in the educational system speaking through professors and philosophers, intellectual men and women, that are very knowledgeable on everything that goes against the absolute truth of God. And they're giving very fanciful arguments, church, to persuade even the Christian students that the truth is relative and that their faith is subjective to their upbringing or their environment. You know, we've even had some of these students to come, come and see us. We're so challenged by what their professors are telling them it sounds so convincing that they even begin to question their faith that has been with them their whole life. And that's why it's so important for the church to preach the absolute truth and to teach the absolute truth, right? Because as it stands now, with the church preaching predominantly motivational messages and not solid foundation, most of the Christian teenagers and young adults... They believe that there is a God, but they don't have the knowledge and the depth to back it up when someone challenges their faith. And so they start to fall away. Truthfully, as the church, we've stopped thinking and just become comfortable with a gospel that, that makes us feel good. We don't know how to think anymore. That's why we can't understand, church, why the average age of a teen teenager leaving the Christian faith is 16 years old. 
Only 4% of teenagers these days will self-identify as being a Christ follower. 91% of teenagers don't believe in absolute truth anymore. 66% of adults don't believe in absolute truth. And in the age group of our young adults between ages 18 and 35, 72% or 3 out of 4 don't believe in absolute truth. And we're wondering why these groups are falling away from the church. You know, just speak to the pastors in the area and they will tell you that the groups that are becoming obsolete in the church, it's the youth and then the young adults. Why? Because as, as far as most people believe, there is no absolute truth anymore. You see, we are being fed these lies that we are all inherently good and that God is a God of love and you can do whatever you want with your life and you'll be okay. Because there's no right and there's no wrong. You just do what suits you best. You know, we've all been lied to at some point in our lives by people that we trust, right? And they'll, they'll lie straight to your face. And it throws us off and we, we begin to distrust everything. And then you go onto the internet and there's news that's true and there's news that's, that's fake. And people are saying, what is absolute truth? And then our youth going to school, you've been told lies that you're some sort of accident created by a big bang and that you, your life is basically meaningless. And eventually you get to the place where you don't know who to trust anymore, who to believe, so you decide to make your own decisions on what is right and, and what is wrong. But church, the Bible says that type of thinking is going to get you into trouble. And you're going to spend a lifetime of being lied to because everyone has an agenda. Everyone is after something. Everyone from a professor to a politician to an archaeologist has an agenda. Everyone has their own human perspective on life. And what the Bible teaches is that there is truth, but it comes from the Creator Himself. Amen? The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So what He is saying, church, is if you just block out all the other verse, the voices all the external ones, all the internal ones, and you look at creation, you look at the stars, you look at the sun, you look at the universe, you look at how the earth works and, and how humans work, and how we interact and feel, he says you'll be able to know there is a creator. You'll be able to see his invisible qualities, his divine nature through what has been made. And church, there's this passage in scripture when it talks about God in, in Isaiah chapter 55, from verses 8 to 9. Listen to what God says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and your thoughts, or my thoughts than your thoughts. God specifically says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. You know, we live in a time, church, when everyone wants to share their thoughts on, on social media, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We want to get our feelings out there. And God specifically says, your thoughts, the way you think, that's not the way that I think. You know your ways and what you think is, is right and what you feel is good in your heart, 
God says, not, that's not the way that I feel. He says, you know how the stars and the sun are so far beyond where you are? That's where my ways and, and my thoughts are. Church, that's why it's so important that even though people will ridicule you for looking and, and studying the Word of God and speaking its truth, they will try to convince you that their thoughts are beyond your thoughts. Their ways are beyond your ways. But you know what God says about that? He says that's a joke. Because I spoke the world into existence. Right? He says, Who thoughts, whose thoughts are you going to trust? Who, who are you going to put your faith in? Are you going to find truth in all these other people? Are you going to try and find truth in what you feel? Or are you going to look to me? Church, I just want to settle something with you today. You are going to be lied to over and over and over again. So get used to it. And that's why we go back to the Bible. That's why we go back to the Word of God. And as we go back to it, we say, well, this is what everyone else says. This is what I feel. But you know what? That's nothing, God. I want to know what your truth is. I want to know what your absolute truth is for my life. You see, church, we can't be swayed by what everyone else thinks of us and how they judge us. You know, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says this, and I love how direct Paul can be. He says, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring it to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Paul says, I could care less what you think about me and how you judge me. He says, I don't even care how I judge myself because I can feel good about myself and, and what I've achieved. But he says, I know that one day the judge who sees everything and is going to bring everything to the, to the light, he's the one that's going to judge me. And so he says, don't spend your life trying to figure out this person or try to figure that person out and why they're trying to judge you. Because he says, everything, all the truth is going to come out in the end. It's all going to come out. And church, what the Bible teaches us is just so beautiful because it talks about what God thinks about you and what He thinks about me. And that's what really matters, right? And it's in Ephesians chapter 2 where he starts with this and he says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Remember how we talked about that last week, how Satan wants you to do what, whatever you feel like doing. He doesn't care if you worship a, a million other gods, he just wants you to do what you feel like doing, because that's the number one command of the satanic Bible is, do as thou wilt. Right? And church, one of the lies that moral relativism would want us to believe is that if you do what makes you feel good, and if you're a good person, and if you do enough good works, whatever God you're worshipping He's going to let you into heaven. But God's absolute truth in Scripture says something completely different. In verse 3 it says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, 
And we are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. You see, when you do your own thing, you're following the enemy. And not only that, he says, you're by nature an object of wrath, which means you're an object of my anger. You are by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And you know, church, I know people are telling you the opposite of that. That if, you, if you're a good person, you're going to go to heaven. You know, people that don't know absolute truths or live by absolute truths, when they're burying a, a loved one, they'll say things like, you know what, he's going to heaven. He's in a better place now. Or, you know, she's, she's, uh, she's, she's not suffering anymore. She's with the angels. Because, you know, if God is a God of love, why would he judge? And we're all good people. But you know the one that says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts? He says, I know that's what you all think, but that's not my, well, that's what I, what, what I think. He says, you've disobeyed the things I wanted you to do, and you just went on with your own feelings. You are children of wrath. But then here's the beautiful part. I want you to listen to this church where he says, but God, verse 4, being rich in his mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches and his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You see, we were by nature children of wrath. We should have paid for it all at the end of our lives. But because of his mercy and with the great love with which he loved us, he had his son suffer for us. You know, church, that's what the cross is all about. This is how much He loves you. And I don't know about you, but that's the type of truth that I want to hold on to. Because that's going to be the identity that sets me free and clearly define who I am. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I don't care how they judge me. Because the one who made everything, the one who determines everything, He's the one that's going to come as a judge at the end, and He is the one that has forgiven me. Right? And he loves me because I have faith, not because I did everything right. The Bible says it's by grace. It was this gift because of faith, because I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and rose again. Everything God did, I believe that. And he says it's by that type of faith that you're saved. In other words, church, it's by that type of faith in the absolute truth of God that you and I are saved. Not by a wishy-washy type of faith. Not by a relative type of faith. Are you guys okay? <laughs> Verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Church, that's our future if we decide to take a biblical worldview in the way that we think and live. All that's going to matter in the end is between you and God. Right? And we have to find our identity in Him now because everything else is going to come and go. Moral relativism is going to come and go. People's opinions of you will come and go. Satan's control over this earth will come and go. The only thing that will remain is God's absolute truth. Can I get an amen to that? And church, when we hold fast to the absolute truths as is set out in the Word of God, 
We will be of the people that the Lord would say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will give you many things to take care of. Come and share your master's happiness. I don't know about you, but that's the type of truth that I want to hold on to. So church, as I begin to close this morning, why truth? Why do we need the truth? Why does truth matter? The whole world lies under the power and the control of the evil one. And he has blinded the minds of the people. The Bible says how they walk in darkness. But you, with the Holy Spirit of God operating on the inside out, you are the solution to all of that. You are the light in the darkness. You're a light in every dark situation. And as you abide in Him, as you, as you discover God for yourselves and abide in Him, He will abide in you and you will begin to bear fruit. And you know what? Other people are going to want to come and eat from that fruit. Because the closer that you are to Him and His absolute truth, the more useful we can be to everyone else. Church, the world is confused. People don't know what to believe and, and who to believe anymore. Right? They're searching for the truth and trying to find it in their, their own thoughts and in their own ways. As the church, we need to be the solution. We need to have the answers. We need to have the Holy Spirit of God operating in us to drive us to care and to minister to people so we, that we can lead them to this, this absolute truth. So that this absolute truth can set them free. And you know, church, the only way that we can do that is if we talk and we walk the absolute truth of God. Church, I don't know about you, but like I said, this is the type of truth that I want to hold on to. The type of truth that's going to give me identity and set me free. And everyone else that comes into contact with that truth, it's going to set them free as well. Can I get a big amen? amen. Can we receive that this morning? Can we just give God all the glory for His Word this morning, church?